Welcome to the Prodigy Maker Show with Chris Lewitt. Chris Lewitt is an internationally recognized high-performance coach, educator, and author of two best-selling books, The Tennis Technique Bible and The Secrets of Spanish Tennis. The show can be watched live, and video versions of the show are archived at youtube.com forward slash Chris Lewitt. And now, here's Chris. Amigos, it's the Prodigy Maker Show, episode number 60. That's a lot of shows. I'm happy to be with you tonight. I got a little break from my family, and I'm broadcasting live from my toddler's bedroom, which has very good acoustics in my home. So I'm happy to be with you guys. If anyone's uh, available on, uh, what is it, Tuesday night, and you want to tune in live, uh, the chat is open, and we can talk about short sets. That's the title of the show. I actually started the show gosh, about a month ago, and I had to cut short because I think I was in trouble with my wife. I think she or one of the kids was yelling at me, and so we had to cut the show short. And now I'm back with uh, short sets. It could be a short show. <laughs> I don't know, but short sets is about the phenomenon of shorter and shorter tournaments, basically, tournament uh, structures in, uh, I, I mean, mostly in the U.S., but probably around the world now, where juniors are not playing that many long matches anymore. And I think, fundamentally, that it's detrimental to kids' development, detrimental to their uh, developing focus, basically focus, you know, con long-term concentration, and um, suffering. There's some physical... Um, things that are lost when you don't play long matches, like the physical endurance aspect, the psychological endurance aspect. So I think that some of these things are missing when you realize that most tournaments now are truncated. The length of matches is are, are oftentimes very short. And I think that we should strive to, to offer some longer format tournaments somewhere in the junior schedule, both uh, whether that's USTA, or uh, UTR, or ITF, or whatever, whatever, whoever's uh, sanctioning these tournaments. But uh, I know from my own experience here in the Northeast, with my junior players, who are, most of my students are tournament players at different levels, that uh, some of my students have never played a real, quote-unquote, real tennis match that is uh, typically, it, you know, when I was a kid, two out of three sets to six games with with the normal deuces, you know, with advantage and deuce, uh, not no ad. So what do you guys think about this? Do you agree with me that there are some things that are being lost because of the predominance of short sets? Or is this just the future of the game? This is the where the game's going. We need to offer more convenience for parents. And um, it's just, it is what it is. Uh, Am I just being nostalgic? Am I out of touch? Or do I have a good point that young children should be playing longer matches uh, quite frequently rather than shorter? And is there some kind of middle ground where we could have longer uh, tournament offerings uh, to develop some of these aspects that I mentioned? The concentration, the, uh, the capacity to suffer, and... Uh, 
the endurance aspect, things like that, or uh, along with uh, some shorter format tournaments, which will uh, be more convenient for people. And after all, that is why we have so many short tournaments now uh, being offered nowadays. It's because uh, the format is convenient. Uh, people can go to a tournament. Families can don't have to take up their whole weekend to play. And it's easier to schedule uh, tournaments that are shorter. And, and uh, you know, hey, we, as a parent myself, I have four kids. Uh, that type of convenience is great. Great to be able to sneak in a tournament on a Saturday at my tennis club here in Manchester, Vermont. We do that. We offer uh, UTR tournaments that are one-day events, and we use the Fast Four format. Uh, but I also offer some events that are full length. Uh, and like, for example, this summer, I have to make sure to get a couple of those on the schedule. We've got lots of kids coming in for the summer camp. We have a high performance camp in the mountains here, in the beautiful mountains of uh, Vermont, and players come, uh, sometimes for, for long term, for, for a month or or short short term for a couple weeks, and we try to offer tournaments every weekend for those players. I, I have to make sure to put uh, some normal, longer format matches on, um, and tournaments on the schedule on the weekends, where you kids have to get to play actual two out of three sets with uh, not, not even a third set tiebreaker, but a, a real third set, which is uh, you know very different demand psychologically and physically as opposed to even a 10-point tiebreaker third set. But that seems to be where the, the tournaments are going now. Uh, usually the higher-level events, you start going into like L5, L4, and higher uh, USDA tournament levels. Uh, if you're familiar with the, like the USDA tournament levels, uh, I think those are typically two sets with the third set tiebreaker. And I don't know, maybe it depends on the section, but at least here in the Northeast. And then uh, my understanding is most of the nationals are are, are, are in the same ballpark there. Uh, as you get into some of the older age divisions, I'm, I'm curious if, if there's any third set being played out uh, from the early stage of the tournament. I have to check on that. I haven't done, uh, I, haven't, I didn't do that research for the show, but I'm sure some of you viewers may know, like at, uh, like at Supers, uh, like Kalamazoo, does Kalamazoo still have a fifth set, uh, five set uh, finals, you know, for the older boys? And uh, are we playing a third set at any of the supers or is it just a 10 point tiebreaker to save time? Uh, it's unfortunate. I think that third set is really valuable for kids uh, to develop their stamina, to develop their perseverance, to develop their suffering, both uh, their physical, uh, you know, physical stamina and also their mental stamina. Uh, in terms of concentration, um, it's even, I mean, this is the same debate that's happening at the pro level where you see uh, pro uh, tournament formats that are uh, that are shorter. Uh, you see the elimination of, uh, you know, the traditional fifth set in, uh, in the majors. Uh, this is also to help uh, TV viewership. Uh, so there are, there are financial and uh, there are legitimate reasons to shorten matches, you know, I guess... Not many people enjoyed uh, some of the Wimbledon matches that famous Wimbledon matches that have gone very, very long, you know, into the fifth set, deep, deep into the fifth set, going like 18, 16 or, you know, 21, 19 in the fifth set. Uh, you have to be a real diehard fan to sit and watch something like that that just seems to go on ad infinitum. But, the, you know, on the junior level, 
you have a kid, 8, 10 years old, 12 years old, 14 years old, you know, how, how great is it to play a, a real, you know, a full three sets and, and, to, and to be out there for a couple hours, you know, two, maybe even sometimes three hours where you really have to manage your emotions, you have to manage your concentration, you have to manage your energy uh, levels, and you have, to, you have to try to focus for uh, uh, the long term and experience the ebbs and flows that, that happen in a longer format uh, type match. I think that's really valuable for a kid to learn to ride those waves uh, over the long term and to learn how to persevere in a long, grueling uh, match. And uh, one of the things that I'm suggesting is that if, if, if tournaments are all going this way, and, you know, for example, I have a very good boy whom I, whom I coach, and he's one of the best nine-year-olds uh, probably in the U.S., and I think we, I was talking to his dad. He said he hasn't played a full match two out of three sets I think ever uh, and I have numerous other parents who've told me uh, similar stories that, that they it's just kind of unheard of you play two out of three sets just a typical two out of three set match for me when I was a kid every tournament was like that uh, it was rare to have a, a third set tiebreaker 10 point tiebreaker that was an unusual thing and I think um, I do have a little nostalgia for those days where you could play a, a full match, and, and if, you, uh, if you split sets, you know, there was a real battle that was going to ensue, uh, rather than just a shotgun uh, conclusion to the match. And anyway, what do you guys think? Do you, do you agree with me? Do you disagree? Um, what I'm suggesting to my families, uh, and I'll suggest it to you guys who, who like to, you know, fans of the show, if you have kids who are playing or if you play tournaments yourself, is try to, um, if you can't get this format in sanctioned tournaments, what can you do? You, you can set it up uh, at home, at your home club or in your home area, find someone to play with and, and book, book a court for a few hours and just play. Play a, a traditional match. Play two out of three sets. How many of you have ever played a three out of five set match? Wonderful uh, practice to, to maybe not with the youngest players, you know, maybe not with an eight year old. Why not? If you have a uh, a tough, mature eight or nine year old or, or anyone under 10, why not once in a while, you know, play, hey, we're going to play three out of five and they're going to look at you like you're, you're like you're insane. You know, like, what do you mean? Three out of five. Uh, but, you know, play like play a, a real long match where, you, where there's a lot uh, there's there's a lot of ups and downs emotionally and and uh, there's a lot to be managed in terms of the physical department managing your nutrition managing your hydration uh, and then of course managing your emotions and your mind you know why why not uh, incorporate that into a kid's uh, training regimen it's especially uh, particular um, for sure you know two out of three a ba you know a two out of three format that that is uh uh, even for young kids, you know, that could be two, two and a half hour match if it's a, a real grind. And I think it's beneficial. I think it's really healthy. Maybe not every week, but uh, to incorporate it into the training regimen is really smart. I would suggest that to all of you. Try to get your kids playing some, I'm going to use the word real. I mean, all the matches are real, but, you know, re like tr traditional uh, third sets. Uh, if you have kids who, who you think you can can benefit, don't be afraid to book three hours of court time or go to the park on a weekend and set up a, a, a full three out of five 
practice match. Like really stay out there and like grind it out and 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 go through all of the emotions and and the and the, the trials and tribulations of of a longer match. The way it's going to be on the pro tour someday, uh, and the way it it, it may be. Um, you know, if you if you if you can focus for a, a three out of five set match, you're ready. You're ready for those two out of three set formats, and you're certainly ready for anything that's shorter, like a two set match with a, a third set ten point tiebreaker in lieu of a, of a traditional third set. And I think the kids that play real matches like that, uh, longer matches, are going to be better for it. They're going to be healthier. So that's what I wanted to say on the subject. Um, let me know your thoughts. Drop some comments if you agree or disagree. The main reason that the tournaments are getting uh, shorter, I think, is, is is for the convenience factor. I don't think there's a... Well, I guess you could argue that maybe there's some some pressure in those shotgun situations, the shorter formats make a kid focus. Um, you can't really have any uh, too many lapses. You have to be dialed in right from the start. So there's you could argue maybe that there's a benefit to having some, some of those shorter format tournament structures because, uh, you know, like let's say uh, uh, in the four-game set format, sometimes I use that, uh, the next-generation uh, format that's used on the ATP Tour for the next-gen, uh, like a fast-four. Sometimes we use that in tournaments here at the club, and you really it, the matches go so fast. Matches a match might be forty-five minutes or one hour uh, max, and um, you know some of those matches don't even have a third set, uh, a four-game third set. They have a ten-point tiebreaker in the third set, uh, and they're four-game sets. So you play a you play a short tiebreaker at a seven-point tiebreaker at three-all in those in those matches. So that's the fast four format and it's no ad, um, which is another thing that's debatable ad versus no ad. It can get a bit tedious to watch a match that has a lot of deuces and it goes swings from advantage to deuce, advantage to deuce. But, uh, you know, what you're building there is an incredible, uh, mental strength for, for a player to, to, to try to hold serve and go through like 10 deuces and really have to gut it out and to determine the best strategy for the moment and to be able to focus uh, uh, in those extended periods, I think is really, really healthy for the young mind of a developing player. And I, I think that players are missing out on that. Uh, I, I was a little bit shocked to hear that some kids have never played uh, a full two out of three set uh, match before. You guys, a lot of my viewers have children in, on the junior circuit. What what are what are your thoughts on that? Have you seen that? Have you seen? Uh, do your players have they played a full third set, or are they doing usually a ten point tiebreaker, or maybe even a shorter format like the fast four? Uh, some tournament structures play one set. Some tournaments play only one set. One set to me is a big disappointment because it doesn't give the other player, the player who who's losing. Uh, a chance to fight and recover and to be resilient. You know, you're not really developing too much resiliency because it's like shotgun blast over. Uh, so on the one hand, I guess you could say if it's shorter, the player has to be, you know, ready from the get-go, which is a positive. The player cannot afford any uh, slow starts or uh, a lack of concentration from the very beginning. But on the other hand, I think we're losing out on these other healthy aspects that are so beneficial for for young children who are trying to develop into high-level tennis players 
but yeah, short sets. I, I, I'm, I'm curious from the, the viewership, how much of this is a phenomenon just in my area, which is uh, northeastern United States. Uh, I know we have international viewers of the program. And, uh, you know, is this uh, the same in, in Europe and the same in uh, across, uh, you know, across the world? Or is it just uh, something that we're seeing more more common in the U.S.? But, but matches are getting shorter and shorter and shorter. And I think the kids, it, it, you know, it's a societal thing where we have a lot of people who are um, nostalgic for a time where, where, where kids had better um, periods of concentration. We have uh, basically a short attention span society. We have kids who are, are in, a, in a world that offers instant gratification. You know, they can push a button and, and have uh, uh, anything they want coming, popping up on their phones. And I just think that this is an example where you see it in the, in the tennis world where you could play a whole season of tournaments with no with no long uh, grinding matches. So, I mean, I can imagine that a player who goes through that year after year or, you know, month after month, week after week, that they're missing out on some uh, very important healthy elements that would that would uh, be beneficial for them. And the things that come to mind are, are just the three that I mentioned, the, the physical endurance aspect, because uh, the body will has to adapt to those long, that longer period out on the, uh, out on the court. Uh, the mental endurance aspect, uh, where you have to develop better uh, concentration over a longer period of time. There's also the, the emotional control. It's, it's the longer the match goes, typically it's harder to control your emotions. So that would be the uh, the, the, the third aspect. Uh, yeah, to me, those are, those are, uh, important qualities to try to, uh, hone and develop, uh, in a, in a junior player. And I think smart parents and smart coaches, if they're not getting that in the tournament, uh, they, they're going to try to recreate that either at home, at the local, at the local club or in the local academy or some, somewhere, uh, locally or regionally. Try, see if you can do that. See if you can set that up uh, with pra uh, practice matches, simulated matches, uh, and book the extra court time. Don't book an hour. Book like, you know, two hours or three hours and just, you know, one of the best practices, I will tell you, one of the best practices you can do is just have, have your kids play sets. You know, that's another thing that I would say to you guys who are um, trying to develop good practices for your for your players is just play sets you know a lot of a lot of people uh ask me how should my kid practice how, how should um what, what should we do this weekend we have a little court time should we do drills should we uh, play baseline points or you know how much dead ball how much live ball and i just think one of the best things you can do for your kid is is just book, book the time set up set up a block of time and and get two players to compete and uh and play play sets Sets are the are some of the greatest things you can you can do in uh, in tennis training, uh, and we have a, almost an epidemic level. And talk about maybe another subject here that's uh, related to short sets is we 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 actually have very a lot of kids who go the whole training week and don't play sets, uh, just real just real sets. You know, play a set to six games, play with deuce. So there's that that. Uh, that added uh, pressure dynamic that comes from playing deuces and advantage and the, the, the testing of the, of the focus and concentration that, that comes from playing deuce. 
and and um, I've been doing that for years now. Like just uh, have my students play sets, and and, and uh, sometimes when uh, like I have new players come to the the program, or new players come to train with me, and uh, they I say, hey, let's play a set, and and or you you guys play a set this afternoon, and the kids kind of look at me a little, like what do you mean? Chris, a set. I'm like, you know, you guys know what I mean, a set. Because oftentimes during the week, they literally don't don't play, uh, you know, play some baseline points, play... Uh, I also like tiebreakers. You know, I think tiebreakers are... Because there are so many tiebreakers at all the, the... Even at the national level and the sectional levels now. Uh, that um, Thanks, Kev. Thanks for tuning in, man. Good to see you, bud. Tuning in late tonight with me, huh? Glad you agree with some of this stuff. I don't know, you agree or disagree. I'm sure some people are going to argue that, you know, the shorter sets are shorter sets are the future of the game, I guess. I mean, I, like I said, maybe I'm old-fashioned. Maybe I'm nostalgic. Uh, maybe I should be playing pickleball. You know, don't get me started with pickleball, guys, because that's, that's another, another thing that's bothered me a lot is pickleball. This is a total aside, but... Good Lord, I, everywhere I look is pickleball this, pickleball that, articles in magazines, pickleball certification, pickleball courts, tennis courts being uh, raised so that we can build more pickleball courts. Just crazy. And I think the tennis world, I'm just going to say this, the ten, I've said this for years, the tennis world better wake up and realize that this is, uh, that pickleball is not necessarily contributory to the to tennis and that that in many ways pick, we are losing a lot of players to pickleball tennis will lose it, it, in other words it's kind of a zero-sum game i i don't see it the way some people do where they say oh pickleball it's a racket sport it's you know it's gonna in the end it's gonna be good for tennis i, I don't see it that way I, I think that people that play pickleball are people that are not playing tennis they probably should be playing tennis tennis is in my opinion one of the greatest games. I love tennis and I don't like pickleball very much. So I think people better wake up and start promoting tennis and the great thing, and, and we can work to make tennis better, but let's not switch, take people out of tennis and have them, you know, start playing with a paddle because those people, a lot of those people don't come back to the tennis court. I'll tell you that. Anyway, that's not really my issue because I'm in high performance and I'm building prodigies and I'm building top-ranked champion, you know, champion players, young players. So I, my business is good, but I know there's a lot of pressure on other club owners who are doing like the, you know, like the retail tennis thing. They put in more pickleball, more pickleball programs and coaches and things like that. There's a lot of pressure on, on other people in the tennis industry to um, promote pickleball. I, I don't like it. Just leave it at that. Chris says he doesn't like pickleball, and I've, I've written articles about this. We did a podcast on this before. Pickleball. Stupid name, really annoying sound, very unathletic movements. And I know somebody's going to comment and say that um, pickleball is athletic or something like that. I mean, maybe like the top 10 pickleball players in the world are like the professionals. I guess there's a professional tour now for pickleball. I guess they are... Um, more athletic but if you look at the the general pickleball like if you look at pickleball like when it's the word i watch pickleball like every 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 day i take my kid to the playground i see 
people playing pickleball in my town. And that is not, I am not seeing a lot of athletic movements out there. I see a lot of uh, un, uh, underhand, bopping the serve, uh, taking a couple steps up to the kitchen area. I know my pickleball. A couple steps up, a couple steps to the kitchen area, uh, kind of a half squat stance, and then just like, you know, couple volleys and that's it and that that is not really doing it for me i'm always gonna love tennis guys tennis that's a real sport uh anyway that's totally unrelated to uh short sets but it's kind of like short tennis it's i guess it's it's related in a in like it's a short court short sets i'm not, sorry guys i get i get upset when you start thinking about pickleball anyway i totally lost my train of thought it got, got me talking about pickleball um, short sets. Oh, we were talking about sets, practicing sets. Yeah, let, let's, let's just like, let me just give a few pieces of advice for that. Like, like try, try to play. No, Kevin, don't play pickleball. If you're a good tennis player, just play tennis. Don't play pickleball. Thanks for the comment. Tennis is the best. Um, if you're practicing, okay, th this is important. So get your kids to, you know, if you, you with lots of parents who listen to the show, get your kids to play real uh, full-length matches. I mean, like the traditional, like two out of threes. And don't worry, like like if they're young, like six, seven, eight, nine, they can do it. Like 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 work with them. Try to develop that stamina, the mental stamina and the physical stamina, right? And then. Uh, just try to play sets. Like, if you're not sure what to do with the practice, like your parents ask me all the time, what should I do for practice? Play a set. Play a set with your kid. Or have your kid play sets with other kids. Or, like, like anyone. Or older people. Or younger people. Or, or whoever, whoever wants to play, teach. Let your kids play sets and teach them how to manage the ups and downs, the ebbs and the flow, the flows of, uh, of a real tennis set. Because tennis, I mean, it's kind of an interesting format, the way tennis uh, developed over the years. And, and uh, I'm not maybe a huge fan of the score, uh, of the, just the scoring in general is a little confusing, like with the 15, 30, uh, 40, and then deuce and advantage. But it's, it's, it's a little bit diabolical the way if you study the, the scoring and, and how you can, you can actually, uh, you can win as many or more points than an opponent, but you can still lose the match because... Uh, because of the way tennis is structured, that some some uh, points hold a lot more value than others in the tennis matches. The scoring system itself is is very interesting. The way the tennis scoring developed, uh, but let let kids experience that, and let let that, that's one of the unique and uh, cool things about our sport is this unique uh, scoring and the unique aspect of deuce, where where you you go deuce to advantage and you have to win two points in a row to uh, to to win the game. Uh, that is a, a tremendous psychological training mechanism. Uh, and try to let, don't short circuit that. Let your players experience that and, and let, them ex let them experience that repeatedly. And if you yourself are training, let yourself experience that. That is real tennis. Uh, rather than just like playing baseline points. Baseline points is really fun. Kids love to play baseline points without the serve. And it has its place, and we play lots of baseline games, you know, ground stroke games and other games like that. 
uh, that have a tactical purpose and they, they de you de develop your ground strokes that way, but and you can develop some competitive aspects that way in it, but there's really no substitute for a real set to, uh, for kids to learn how to manage uh, the, the back and forth of, of, uh, of the scoring mechanism in tennis that, that is so uh, unique and, and, and adds a, a lot of pressure to the to the players that I mean tennis the tennis scoring adds a lot of pressure to tennis players that's why who, I'm not sure who was the genius who invented the scoring uh, a little odd the way they did the numbering like with with the, the 15 30 40 which doesn't make any sense and it really it's hard to teach young kids that they get confused uh, but let kids experience that pressure the pressure of of of, of traditional tennis uh, scoring and uh, traditional tennis uh, matches the length and uh, tiebreakers are also good so one of, so my favorite ways to practice uh, with your kid or on your own is is uh, play sets and if you don't have time to play a set uh, play play tiebreakers and play play super tiebreakers super tiebreakers are cool they're kind of a modern invention but uh, you you do see a lot of super tiebreakers so I think it's it's beneficial for players to learn how to manage the uh, the um, ebbs and flows of a super tiebreaker and then the inherent pressures in a super tiebreaker because the points are magnified, the, the value of the points are magnified because it's, uh, especially if it's in lieu of a third set. So there is um, a benefit there, a benefit to a long match, a benefit sometimes to a short match, some psychological benefit, mix in both. So one of, uh, if you, anyone who's trained with me for a, a long time, anyone who's come to train with me knows uh, we play sets, we play super tiebreakers, I don't like a lot of gimmicks. I don't like a lot of uh, gimmicky games with gimmicky scoring and and uh, games that don't that don't uh, simulate like real tennis. You know, because the uh, the best is tennis. Tennis is the best training tool. Uh, that's the thing. I think it's really funny how a lot of country clubs are run, where you have kids who literally take lessons and they've gone to clinics. Clinics is, can be a is a loaded clinic. A clinic is a loaded term. Uh, potentially really, really bad, uh, bad, there's a lot of bad clinics out there. Um, but I, I've had kids, for example, that they, they've taken lessons and taken clinics, quote unquote, clinics for, for years, you know, two, three years, never played a set. Like, how, how is it possible? You, you're, you're taking tennis lessons, never, never played a match and certainly never played a two out of three set match. Certainly not a three out of five. Uh, but but that is a real shame that uh, you have kids taking lessons uh, all over the world who are uh, they do little games you know different types of games this kind of game that kind of game stupid country club games stupid academy games and the coach tries to be real creative you see the like, games on so uh, like you can see it on social media same with uh, stupid drills like drills that are just trying to be quirky. Or, or ultra creative, but they don't serve very much purpose. Uh, I recommend the Spanish way. You know, simple drills uh, that have that all have a purpose. Purposeful drills. Uh, if you're if you're not doing live ball, and when you do live ball, keep it simple. You work on your controls, and you play sets. You play you play real tennis tiebreakers. You don't need to come up with a lot of gimmicky games, and. Um, I think uh, that's the way I like to train kids, simple fundamentals, and then we play. We play tennis. And of course, from time to time, you, you can try to add in some flavor, uh, uh, 
you know, I, I've known some great coaches that have like a variety of, of games that uh, they're proud of. And it, it sort of keeps the, uh, can keep the interest of a player going. Like if you don't want the practices, practices to get too stale. And I guess that, that is a potential downside if, you, if you're just doing, the, uh, if you're keeping it too simple. So you should have some games that you keep in your toolbox, uh, you know, just to spice things up and to add a little flavor to the weekly grind of practice. But in general, I just think the bulk, the priority in, in a weekly training, for, for example, is, you know, playing sets. You do your fundamental drills that you need to do, develop your technique, your footwork, and things like that, and, and then just, just play. Like if, if you have a couple hours, just, hey, you know, let's play a few sets. Or let's play uh, three out of five uh, 10-point tiebreakers, or you know, keep, keep it simple. Or let's play some seven-point tiebreakers if you're struggling, you know, maybe with, uh, with that format. And keep, keep it simple. Um, summary. Try to find tournaments that offer more full formats and uh, your weekend's going to suffer but you know even a multi-day format you know there's a benefit to playing multiple days you learn how to uh, recuperate you learn how to uh, rest uh, and and re recover uh, you learn recovery modalities you learn how what nutrition you need to do in the evenings and then in the mornings to play your best the next day uh, these types of things, if you only go to one-day tournaments, your kid never learns that stuff. Like There's things like that that we didn't even touch upon. Uh, but uh, try to find a variety of different lengths and formats for your child or for yourself, and that you will, be a, uh, you will benefit um, tremendously from that. It's a, that's a, those, those are healthy. It's healthy to play different formats. If you can't, because it's so hard to find these formats, in sanctioned events now, recreate if you can't find it, recreate it at home or in your academy or in your local club or in your region. Uh, and when you're practicing, try to make the bulk of your practice sets, tiebreakers, things that you're you're going to see in a tournament um, situation. And and you can break it down sometimes and add some spice, some flavor, you know, some. Uh, fun games that have some di uh, slightly uh, different scoring, but but don't make that the bulk of your training. That 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 can't be the the uh, the meat and potatoes of your training. You know that's those more like a dessert that you make that you bring in sometimes for for the player or for yourself. So I think I try to think about it that way. Uh, so I hope that helps you guys. Short sets, episode sixty. Did you guys want to know what I've been up to? We have. Um, taken in a Ukrainian refugee family. Uh, really cool story, very positive story. There's a lot of bad news about Ukraine and the war there. And uh, this, this family was lucky enough to escape. And their, the daughter is an amazing young prodigy tennis player. She's just turned six years old. Her name is Vlada. And I've been coaching for the last three weeks here every day. And she's awesome. I love coaching her. She's a very, very talented young player. I think she could easily win like the U8s uh, Little Mo's. Uh, if I can, but I spoke with Little Mo now and they're not letting kids under eight compete until they're in the, their eight, eighth year, which I think is the stupidest thing ever. What, what's that all about? Why, why is that? So if you're a really good six or seven year old, you're not allowed to play the nationals now under eight. You have to turn eight that year. Apparently, that's the, the rule that uh, I was uh, informed about. I did not know this. I think it's a stupid rule. 
Uh, another stupid rule is that they're not letting Vlada compete in the nationals because she's not American. Um, she is a foreigner, and I, I tried to explain to Little Mo management, uh, the, 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 the tournament director, that she is a refugee. She has no home, and her home is now here in the U.S., and they said that uh, she has to be here at least six months with a permanent address, and she's not allowed to play uh, until that time. And, and she can't even play because she's too young, even though she's good enough to play in, in the eights or probably higher. Uh, just two stupid uh, rulings from uh, Little Mo organization that I think are short-sighted. Just share that with you guys. But anyway, this little um, girl is fantastic. She wants to play on the pro tour. And I'm having a lot of fun training her pretty much every day here. And I don't know how long she's going to be here because uh, who knows what's happening in Ukraine. Uh, but uh, uh, hopefully she can... Um, she, you know, I, I feel like she's already improving a lot. If she, it's been about three weeks, and the family was lucky enough to have a tennis visa that they were able to use to get to the United States. There's a lot of refugees who are stuck in Europe and Poland and other countries surrounding Ukraine, and they have nowhere to go. They cannot get to the U.S., which is another uh, real shame, in my opinion. But so they're here. The whole community here is a very, very cool story. The whole community here in Manchester is supporting this family. And, uh, you know, helping the family get housing. Uh, the family, they were staying in, in my guest apartment for, uh, for a little while, but we didn't have a kitchen for them. So we, we got them, uh, there's been a lot of um, locals here who have been uh, pitching in and rallying to support this family, getting them, uh, raising money for their groceries and helping them get uh, permanent housing and, and work and get their visas all organized so that they can stay long term. So it's very, uh, very exciting, and lo and behold, this this little girl, who whom uh, I I, never, I only knew from Instagram previously, uh, she's a one heck of a player, and I think she has a really bright future. So, anyway, that's what I've been spending a, a lot of time on in the last three weeks, just to keep you guys updated, and you'll be seeing a lot more from Vlada. Uh, uh, she is, uh, if I can get her into some tournaments, if somebody lets her play. You know, I think it's crazy that you don't let a little kid from Ukraine who's a refugee, you're not going to let her play. I mean, she's here now. This is her home for, for at least for, for the foreseeable future. You're not going to let her make an exception and let her play in the little mo. Stupid, stupid rule. Mindless, like a foolish consistency. A foolish consistency is the hobgoblin of little minds. Emerson, foolish. And make an exception for that little kid, you know, so she can compete. Anyway, guys, so that's what uh, I've been doing a lot of, a lot of coaching with Vlada, superstar Vlada. I'm learning some Ukrainian because uh, she doesn't speak much English. I'm coaching her with a little bit of Russian and a little bit of Ukrainian, and uh, it's been fun. I'm learning the language, and I'm using a lot of different hand signals and gestures and. Uh, my Ukrainian's getting better. I know. I think I'm up to about 15 or 20 vocabulary words. <laughs> so we're and we're using a lot of Google Translate. It's fun. It's 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 a good test for me to coach. You realize as a coach, I'll tell you this: you don't need to say that much. I mean, there are times where you do need to sit down and have like a long conversation with a kid, and that that's something that is a little harder for me to do at this moment with Vlada. But uh, there's a lot on the court. Like my one of my great 
greatest mentors, Luis Bruguer, always says, you know, coaches talk too much. And so this is a very good uh, challenge for me to, to impart my knowledge and to help her grow without saying too much. And, and I really have to, it, it forces me to really think about what I'm saying. Am I saying, am I communicating clearly and simply? And, and if I need to say anything at all, maybe just a simple demonstration or some sort of visual uh, is enough. And sometimes with a talented kid, especially like a kid like Vlada, I, I don't need to talk too much, get too scientific or, you know, show off my knowledge. Uh, she picks things up very quickly. And uh, sometimes just a simple facial expression or a gesture uh, or a few, a few words is much better than a long, uh, a long talk. And coaches in general uh, probably talk too much. So that's something I've been enjoying as a coach, just from a, uh, as a coach, I've been honing my skills uh, of uh, 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 saying trying to say less and, and communicating more simply and, and better with fewer words. And I think that is a, something that probably a lot of coaches could benefit from. Anyway, guys, it's been super. I'm glad we got the show back on the road. I'm sorry for all the fans who are bummed because uh, we had a little break there. But, you know, doing the best we can. Been spending a lot of time with Vlada. And that's been eating up uh, a lot of my uh, podcast time. You know, not as much time to get on the on the pod here, uh, on the on screen. But uh, it's great to be back with you guys. Uh, next show, I believe we're talking about summer camp, summer camp, and how you know what I want to talk about next show is how you send kids to camp, and they like change a lot of things. They change the coaches there, like change stuff. I'm I'm gonna talk, I'm t gonna talk about a very famous coach and a famous camp in Florida. I'm not gonna name his name, but you guys will probably figure out who it is. How how they change everything, especially technically, and how the kids are not better for that. They they actually it, it ruins uh, summer campers um, everywhere, any any place that does that. So we're gonna talk about summer camp changes. And what is uh, good to change, what is uh, sort of uh, debatable, what you should change and what you should definitely not change, and what's realistic and what's not realistic, and how if you try to do too much, sometimes you are gonna you can ruin a kid, really mess them up, not just technically, but psychologically. And um, what is what, what are positive things you can work on with kids who are coming in short term for the summer uh, and then leaving, and you, you don't have uh, a lot of control over their games after they visit for summer camp. So I have a lot of experience in this because I run a high-performance summer camp. By the way, if you're looking for a great summer camp, please come consider, you know, come check out our program in Vermont. Consider our high-performance camp. Very unique, beautiful, uh, beautiful mountains, very picturesque place where we're located in... Uh, just outside of Manchester, Vermont. Check it out, Manchester, Vermont. And serious, professional, high-performance training. Uh, so we, we are not uh, like, a, like a summer camp where you just come and you sing around the campfire and play a little tennis. Like This is a, a serious training program, professional strength and conditioning, professional coaching using the Spanish method, and uh, world-class technical training for those who want to work on their technique. You know, I'm not afraid to work in their technique, but you got to be really careful when you're changing a kid's technique in a summer camp format. We'll do it. If you want to do it, we'll do it. And we'll guide you after, too. We won't just leave you hanging after the camp's over, which a lot of places do. Um, summer camp starts in June. Our first week is June 13th. 
and we finished end of July. I'm not sure if we will be having any programs in August. A lot of people have asked me about August. We usually go to Spain for the month of August um, to live in Barcelona and uh, also for me to study with uh, various coaches over there and mentors whom I have. So I'm hoping to do that this August with my family. And um, so I don't know if we will have any August training available in Vermont, but if we don't go to Spain, we probably will. Like last year, we didn't go to Spain and we had a lot of players visiting in August, but the basic camp is June 13th to the end of July, seven weeks. And you can come for one week, you can come for the whole summer. Uh, but check in with me, um, shoot me an email, or call me or send me a message. Um, I'm happy to answer any questions you might have about summer camp. I think we offer something really, really special because it's me. It's a few coaches whom I train and watch very carefully. It's very small, very personal, and very customized, uh, where I think most summer camps are the opposite of that. And even the best academies in the world, their summer camps are usually a big, um, uh, big failure because uh, they have great coaches and they have great players there, but, but like they're just overwhelmed in the summer with big numbers and they just cannot give personal attention in that summer camp environment. And, and I'm really proud that we do that. We try to personalize every experience. All the kids have access to me. All the kids work with me on the court. It's really cool. Anyway, that's my plug for a summer camp. Guys, it's been a blast. Project Maker Show, episode 60. Adios, amigos. I'll see you on the next one. We hope you enjoyed the program. Please give us a five-star review on iTunes and recommend the show to your friends. We greatly appreciate your likes and shares. Thank you for your support of the show and for helping us grow our audience. If you would like to train with Chris, please visit chrislewitt.com for more info. You can also join Chris's online school, clta.teachable.com, and follow his blog at prodigymaker.com. A reminder that all show archives can be found at youtube.com forward slash chrislewitt. Thanks for listening and see you next time. Vamos.